Thank you so much, church. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Just stay on our feet for a second. How awesome was that worship and what a word. Wow. Come on. Let's just open our hearts and say we receive that. Father God, we receive the things you're speaking to us, both as individuals, as families, of households, and as a church. Thank you that you're commissioning us to take your message to this city. Thank you in advance for lives changed. Thank you for people being connected to you. Thank you for faith arising. Lord, we were singing in our worship time, do it again. Lord, do it again. Lord, we don't want to be just a nice church. We don't just want to be a theologically correct church, although we want that. We want to be a church that moves in power, that you would be glorified. So I pray you'd stir faith and hope and expectation in our hearts. I pray we'd celebrate our testimonies of your goodness and we'd push a little bit further. In your name, everyone said. Touch two people and say, this is going to be good. And you can grab a seat. Those of you who have been around a little while, you will know that our theme for this whole year actually is the glory of God. And as we begin begun to unpack it, it's huge. It's a vast topic. And to make it understandable for simple people like me, we've boiled it down to three main areas, which is the power of God, the goodness of God, and the presence of God. And somewhere in it all, you wrap it all together and we find ourselves in the glory of God. The two key words biblically are the Hebrew word kabod. In your best Hebrew, turn to the person next to you and say kabod. Kabod means the weight of God. It's to do with weightiness. If someone in your life carries weight, they're important to you. They are weighted to you. They matter. And it's the weight and the characteristics and the goodness and the personality. All that is God carries weight with us. It's kabod. But then there's this Greek word doxa, which means the splendor or bright light or the wow of God. And it all puts this together and just forms this great image of the glory of God, his weight, his splendor his magnificence, his majesty, his power and authority, but his character traits in who he is, faithful, good, generous, love, all these things. This is the glory of God, and you can see it's, it's huge. And we're basing this study around Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through 3. And can I challenge you, church, get to know that passage. Write it down, even now, Isaiah 60, verses 1 through 3. Look at it in all the different translations, because sometimes it brings a little something else out of it. A little clue. Last year, we, we had the, the Ezekiel 47, didn't we? And it was the river that flows from the temple. And as it goes out from the temple, everywhere it, brings, it, it goes, it brings life. And we had a quiz halfway through the year. And one of the questions in our church-serving group, the quiz was, what's the theme verse? Do you know how many people knew it? Big fat zero. <laughs> Zilch, nana, it's like us in the Eurovision Song Contest most years. <laughs> but not last year. We must be changing. Space man. <laughs> Sorry, I've lost it. Isaiah 60, verses 1 through 3. Come and get it in your spirits. Let's be in this together. The glory of God. Arise and shine. Come on, this is our time, church. You know, with all we see going around us in the world, this is the time for the gospel to go out. This is the time where people need to know Jesus more than ever. So we're going to keep pursuing this. And my title today, if you like titles, is this. Do you know me? Do you know me? 
Those of you who have been in our church for quite some time probably would feel at one level or another, you know me. I'm the lead pastor here. I talk a lot. You'll have seen something of my character over the time. You know, I like to think that you might think I'm trustworthy, I'm faithful, I'm kind. You'll have seen some of these things in and around my life by the way I, I treat my wife and my children. You know, the, the way I communicate with you as a church, the way we're growing and making a difference is, is linked with my character. You might say, I know something of your personality. You know, I'm loud. I'm lively. I am very, very witty. See, you know something of me. You might know my gifting, you know, to be able to communicate, to prophesy, leadership. These are some of my giftings. So you might think, yeah, I know Pastor Barry. He's literally the best pastor on the planet. He's awesome. I know him. I know that guy. And as you get to know me, you might think I know you, but do you really know me? Hands up if you know when my birthday is. See, now not so many people know me. 28th of January, start saving now. <laughs> You've got nearly a year. Do you know what my favourite hot drink is? Cup of tea, half a sugar, just telling you now. <laughs> Cup of tea. <laughs> Do you know what football team I support? <laughs> See, some people know me. But my point is this, you think you know me, but when you start digging deeper, do you really know me? Can we go deeper again? When I'm outside the public light, when I'm off the stage, when I'm at home, do you really know me? Do you know how I handle stress? Do you know how I like to relax? Do you know what brings me joy? And the point I'm trying to make is you know me, but do you know me? And I want to unpack that a little bit because Jesus, our Lord and Saviour, had this very same issue. Let me read you the key passage today, which is in John chapter 14 and verses 6 through 13. John 14 verses 6 through 13, it says this, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From, out, from now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been amongst you all this time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Turn to the person next to you and say the word authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Turn to the person next to you and say the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. They will do even greater things. Turn to the person on the other side of you and say even greater things. Because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that my Father will be glorified. Can you see the lovely link that Jesus gave me there? All of this picture is to bring glory to God. His magnificence is our job, and we get this brilliant job to reflect the Father back to himself. 
And Jesus has been walking with these people for so long and he still has to say, don't you know me? After all this time, come on. You need to grasp something. And church, we need to grasp the same thing. Are you hearing me? Can I be clear on something? Possibly the second most famous scripture to John 3.16 is this one. Jesus answered, I am the way. How many ways? I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. There is no other way to the Father. You see, we live in a world which I think is coming around to the idea of ultimately all roads lead to heaven. Ultimately, you can believe in this or believe in that. But in the end, they're all good people. It'll probably end up in the same place. Do we know him? Because that's not what he said. He said, I am the way. There is no other way. It's me. And here's where I want you to grab something. You know, when you look at the Muslim God, when you look at Hindu gods, they have a very different character to our one true God. So it can't be the same. Because the character's different. And here's what I mean by that. If you talk to a Muslim, they have to live a certain way to be accepted and to earn their salvation. It's about earning it. Because there God says, live right and I'll accept you. If you look at the Hindu gods, we've got some Indian people in the room, chat to them. They have many deities. And they have to live in such a way to appease the deities. And so it's not the same as our God. Because what did our God do? Our God looked at people like me and you and loved us so much and said, I know you can't do it on your own. Holiness is too much of a stretch for you. Righteousness is too much of a stretch for you. But because I love you, I'm going to do it for you. I am sending my son so he will put it right. You are righteous not because of how good you are, but because of how good he is. And so Jesus went to a cross and he did it for us. And he said, this is my declaration of love. So how can that be all roads lead to heaven? Because most gods or all other gods are like, you live right and I might accept you. And our God says, it doesn't matter if you live right because Jesus lived right. But here's our reality. Because if we fully understand who Jesus is and what he did for us, it's not God upstairs banging a drum going, live right, live right, be holy, be holy. No, no, we enter a relationship with him that says thank you. We enter a relationship with, with him where he says, I love you so much. I've seen your history. I've seen how you were treated. I've seen what you've been through. And I'm going to go about a story with you to heal you from the inside out. And as you start healing up, you become a little bit more like Jesus. And as you start healing up, your thanks goes up. And then what happens? God isn't upstairs banging a drum going, live right, live right, live right. No, there's something in your heart that says, I want to live right. Because it's out of relationship. Jesus has done it on my behalf and now I've got the opportunity to live a life that says thank you. Can you see the character shift? So Jesus is the way. It's not all road leads to heaven. Jesus is the way. And we get to declare that to anyone who will listen. We can live a life of thanksgiving because he's healing me from the inside out and I've got a testament to prove it. Are you with me, church? So here we have Philip. Good old Philip. Don't be like Philip been walking with Jesus all this time and Jesus ends up having to say do you even know me then he unpacks this profound concept I'm in the father and the father is in me if you've seen me you've seen the father my goal was to come down here and live a life which demonstrates what my father is like you want to know what he's like look at what I'm like and what was Jesus like he included everyone he loved everyone 
He released power and miracles everywhere he went. It says we couldn't record them all because we wouldn't have had enough books for it. He was outrageously, outrageously good. And what's he saying? You've seen me, you've seen the Father. Your Father is outrageously good. Part of this whole idea of glory, it's the goodness of God. Give me a wave if you've got a story of God's goodness somewhere in your life. I hope all of you have somewhere. But then he shows us, Jesus shows us through this passage, three important things that I want to look at which link very brilliantly to glory. And the three things, you said them out out loud, authority. Miracles, the signs, the works he calls them, but miracles. And then impartation. You will do these things. So three things that we can get out of this this passage. And I just want to look at them this morning and stir you up a little bit. So this idea of authority, let me tell you a little story. Um, I'm driving in my car and um, I'm in a little bit of traffic. And this other car decides it's his right to come across me because clearly he's more important than me. So he just cuts across me. And as he cuts across me, he clips the front of my car. This is a made-up story, by the way. Don't start pitching it actually happened. <laughs> he clips the front of the car. I'm fuming. You'd be fuming, wouldn't you? What are you doing? Idiot. Glory be to God. <laughs> Holiness and righteousness. He's clipped my car, so we pull over, and I get out of the car. And as he gets out of the car, it's massive bloke. He's huge. He is 15 stone, and he's all muscle. And I'm thinking, oh, brilliant. (laughs) Then I look a bit closer and I think, I recognise him. I've only seen him on the MMA on the telly. (laughs) He's like an international superstar. He is a trained killer. I'm like, oh, brilliant. The car seems fine. (laughs) He says to me, you got a problem? (laughs) I take a moment to think about it. You got a problem? Who's got the power? In that moment, who's got the power? He's got the power. Now, I'm in the right, but he's got the power. Because I'm not picking a fight with this dude. I'm a very fast runner. I might be able to poke him in both eyes and leg it. (laughs) But he's got the power. But then something happens. We've caused a little bit of a hoo-ha in the traffic, and a police car pulls up pulls up behind us and out of the police car gets this five foot two, seven stone when he's wet policeman. He gets out the car, his voice hasn't quite broken yet. What's happened guys? What's going on in here then? Suddenly I get a bit brave, this idiot. Tell me this, who's got the power now? The policeman has the power. Not because of his size or muscularity or ability to fight, but because he carries authority. He has been given authority by the law of the land. The power is with him. Jesus said, I don't speak by myself, but with the authority my father gives me. See, church, if we could know our authority, you say you know him, but do you know him? Because if you really know him, you'll be speaking with authority. And we need to get it in us because we're all nodding and saying this is true. But could we be a church that lives like that? That when I speak, I expect it to happen because I know my authority. He didn't speak on his own. He spoke with the authority given to him by the creator of earth who has all authority. Can you see the picture I'm drawing? And I want to stir this in you. 
He then goes on to talk about miracles. He says, if you're not going to believe me because of the authority in my words, at least believe me because of the evidence of the works, the miraculous signs, and Jesus did loads of them. Some people need to see something. But as I've considered this, I've noticed something. Jesus rarely, very, very rarely chased a miracle. You think about it. He rarely chases a miracle. You think, first miracle, he turned water into wine. There's Jesus hanging out at the party, having a good time, hanging out with the boys. Up comes mum. Jesus not looking out for it, is he? Up comes mum. Jesus, there's an issue. They've run out of the good stuff. And Jesus is like, it's not my time yet, mum. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. She turns to the servants and said, whatever he says, just do it. And walks off. And then Jesus is left as, well, I didn't ask for this, did I? What on earth? But we know how it plays out. But my point is this. He didn't chase the miracle. The miracle chased him. What about blind, blind Bartimaeus? We talked about him recently. There he is begging at the side. But he's heard about this Jesus. He hasn't, literally hasn't seen the miracles. But he's heard about the authority. And it stirs something in. So what happens? Jesus is walking past and blind Bartimaeus says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He calls out. Jesus is just minding his own business, walking through. What happens? The miracle chases him. Will you come? I need you, Jesus. Jesus is just getting on, doing Jesus' things. There's this time when there's this great haul of fish and the disciples are out fishing and they are trained fishermen. It's what they do for a living. And they come back in and they're tired and they've caught not a bean, not a sausage, not even a little diddler. They have got empty nets and Jesus is standing there. Now he's not looking for a miracle, he's just waiting for them to come in. He looks up and sees they're all disappointed. He says, guys, put the net on the other side. And it's a great haul of fish, so many they couldn't even get it in. Jesus didn't chase the miracle, the miracle chased Jesus. Think about the lepers cast out of society. So contagious, people didn't want to go anywhere near them. And Jesus is walking on the road and the lepers appear in front of him. They keep a respectful distance, but they say, Jesus, we know. We know the authority you carry. You speak the word. And Jesus said, go and show yourself to the priests. And as they do so, they are made well. Jesus just minding his own business. What about raising Lazarus? Jesus is getting on about his business. And Lazarus is household come running to Jesus Lazarus is going to die please come Jesus didn't chase it in fact he chills out for a couple more days and trots up in his own time but he does a miracle but can you see the overwhelming pattern Jesus didn't chase the miracle the miracle chased Jesus now occasionally he did go looking for it the woman of the well he went out of his way the, the, the pool of Pepesta he went out of his way so sometimes he did but overwhelmingly the vast majority the miracle chased Jesus and here's something I want us to grasp as we start to get to know our Jesus and we start to get to know his authority and the authority he has now given us when we speak we can just have full confidence in faith that it's going to happen I've been in prayer meetings I think you've been in prayer meetings I've certainly seen prayer meetings online where everyone just goes absolutely ballistic in Jesus' name, come out of him, you be well. Now, I know there's different styles of praying, and that's absolutely cool, and that's how you express yourself. But I want to say this, that's not what Jesus did. Why? 
because he knew his authority. The policeman in my pretend story, Seven Stone When Wet, didn't come out and say, right, putting the handcuffs on you, hands on there, get yourself sorted. He said, no. He said, you're in trouble. Kept his calm. Why? Because he knew his authority. And I wonder, church, if we could get to a level in our life where we so know, come on, know our authority, we don't have to get out of our prams about stuff. We can calmly just speak truth. And it has to happen. What happened at the wedding? They came to Jesus and he said, okay, we're going to do this thing. See them jars over there. Put some water in them and just serve it. Calm as you like. But he knew it was going to happen. He knew it was going to happen. What about the guys fishing? There he is coming in. He just said, guys, just try the other side. Come on, we've been waiting for ages now. Get out of the other side. He calmly knew what was going to happen. Can you see it? Lazarus, the raising of Lazarus, you know, arguably the biggest miracle if you want to you know, put them in order. He raised someone from the dead. But what did he do? He stood there with everyone weeping around him and he felt them compassion for them. Shortest verse in the whole Bible, Jesus wept. Don't tell me Jesus doesn't feel our pain. But he stands there and he just says this, Lazarus, come forth. No singing and dancing, shouting and banging drums. He knew his authority. He knew his authority. Church, my challenge to us in this season is get to know our authority. We say we know him, but do we know him? Because when we know him, we can speak calmly with authority and in faith know something's going to change. Are you with me? Touch the person next to you and say, we're in a good season. When you think about these miracles, they all point to the goodness of God. In the end, it's all about glory. This is God putting his character on display. I'll raise the dead. I'll heal the sick. I'll provide for those who are struggling. I'll accept people who are marginalized. This is the character of God. And I wonder if you reflect over your life, and I've been reflecting over mine, where there are points where you think, wow, that had to be God. That is the goodness of God. There were some years ago that I was driving in my car to Braintree from Colchester on the, is it the A120 or whatever it is, A140, one of them roads, and a single track. And uh, the car in front of me stopped because it was turning right to go to the petrol station. There was cars coming the other way, so I had to wait while the traffic passed him. I pulled up next to him and um, sat there, and there's a lot of traffic coming. And I um, looked in the, in the rearview mirror, and there was this 52-seat heading and bus coming, coach. And I didn't think anything of it and uh, sat there for 20 seconds longer. And I looked and this coach is still coming. I thought, hmm. And uh, sat there for a few more seconds and I looked in my mirror. And now he's 30 meters away and he's still coming. He hit me at 62 miles an hour. And he wrote my car off and I wrote the car in front of me off. And we traveled over 150 meters down the road before we came to a standstill. And um, I got out of the car and I phoned my mum. She'll remember this story well. And I picked up the phone, and you know my personality now. I went, some idiot in a bus has just hit me. And mum, you know, it pictures, oh, some, you know, some 17-seaters, a little coach or something, a little, little mini bus. Turned up a massive 52-seater bus. I'm not exactly, it was so bad, it made it into the local papers, the photographs. The car was about a third of the size it should be. The, I could turn around, I could, I could touch the rear screen, the, the back window from where I was sat. The, car, the seat next to me had collapsed inwards and the car had turned around. If anyone else had been in that car, they would have died. The only place you could possibly have been and survived in that car was in the driver's seat. And I had a little bruise on my knee, I was gutted. <laughs> but here's what I wonder. 
I wonder if God's always had a plan for my life. And I wonder if the plan that God's got for my life freaks our enemy out a little bit sometimes. And he's thought, I'm going to get a bus and I'm going to take you out. But I never need to fret in my life because I just wonder, I just wonder, I just wonder. Had God positioned some angels? I just wonder, I just wonder, had God put his finger there to say, you can hit the car, but you're not having my Barry. And it hit around him because it's uncanny. Anyone who saw that would have used this language. It's a miracle you got out of that car. And I believe it was a miracle. But that right there is the power of my God at work for me. And I'm sure each of you will have your own stories where you can hang your hat on it and say, I know that was God. I just know that it had to be because it was too outrageous. I can keep my peace all of my life because I've got evidence that my God's protecting me. And I pray you'll keep your peace too. It says this in Psalm 9 and verse 10. Those who know your name, know your name, trust you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Can you see this idea? When we get to know him, when we get to know his goodness and his character, when we get to know his power and authority, we can trust him. And we don't have to live lives worrying as other people might worry because God has got you. And I just wonder how many events in your life where you look back and you could say, that was God demonstrating his goodness to me. And I hope it stirs your faith. Here's some truth. And I love the way, you know, the service has gone with the, the set list that uh, Io produced. You know, this whole idea of you know, the power and God doing stuff and proving himself. And then and Uncle Dan just, just used it. You know, the same spirit lives in us. Romans, 11, Romans 8 and verse 11. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Could we get to know that? What that really means. Because if we could grasp that authority then I wonder if calmly in our everyday we could start releasing power. Because that's what Jesus did. He didn't chase it, it chased him. And I wonder if part of our next steps in this season is, guys, you're not going to be going around looking for a miracle. You're not going to be going around for opportunities. They're going to come to you. But it's going to be people who are saying, I'm getting to know you, Lord. I want to be on your page. And I want to have a testimony of your goodness. See, a powerful and effective church is a very, very attractive church. And we want to be a beacon of light, don't we? Wouldn't it be glorifying to God if we as a church actually started to live a little bit like Jesus? Not just knowing it, but walking it out. And some of that means getting to know him in such a way that you know the authority you carry, which releases power for miracles. And all of it in the end is to glorify God because he loves you and he loves people. And then we get to this idea of impartation. Jesus said, if you believe in me, You'll, be, you'll do the things I've been doing. In fact, even greater things. And I've considered that. Because I don't, it's a bit headbanging, isn't it? He raised Lazarus from the dead. And he's saying, we're going to do greater things. But I wonder if what he really meant is greater number of things. Because Jesus was one man in one place. And in this room, there's a lot of people. A lot of Jesuses. You think globally. How many people in the world carry Jesus in their heart? Wouldn't it be amazing if the church actually started to live like Jesus? If we actually said, come on, use me to do greater things. And then you added up all the stories globally, how many stories that would be. It would be phenomenal. It would be phenomenal. But it takes people to know Jesus, to get to living like that. Not just think about him, not just read his word, but get to know him in your heart. There's a time when Paul and Silas are in jail. You all know it, terrible. 
You know, they've been living passionately for Jesus and they got jailed for it. Terrible. I don't think any of us here have probably been to jail for being passionate about Jesus. They were in jail for being passionate about Jesus. But here's the thing. They know. I've written it in capitals. They know Jesus. So what do they do? There they are in jail. They're not looking at each other going, this is rubbish, isn't it? What on earth? What on actual earth? Jesus. Living my best for you, I've ended up in jail. Rubbish. No, no, no. They know Jesus. And they know that he is working all things for their good. So what do they actually do? Well, they worship. That's a challenge right there. I wonder if us people in this room find ourselves in a really low point in life, in a really dark space. Is our first action, Allah, my wife's awesome communion talk, is our first action to say thank you? Because that means you know Jesus. Because I'm in this horrible place. I can't pay a bill. I'm up against a, you know, a job loss. Uh, I've got a relationship breakdown. My health's terrible. Or someone I care about's health terrible. I'm in a terrible place. What am I going to do? Well, most of us probably, if we're on a fret, talk about it, tell everyone, moan. But Paul and Silas just worshipped. Because they know Jesus. And so no, nothing was going to steal their peace because they know Jesus. Come on, church. We need to start to get to know Jesus because he promises us, I will work all things out for the good of those who love me. And so you can have absolute peace in your darkest moment to say, I'm still going to say thank you and I'm still going to worship because a testimony is coming your way. The miracle is going to chase you down. Let's read it. Acts 16, verses 25 through 30. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. That's another thing, isn't it? You just read these things. It's like if you're stuck in a place and there's people around you, how many of us are actually starting to sing? Can I give you a guess? Zero. <laughs> but Paul and Silas are like, well, they might hear it, but I'm in jail. And thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. You are good. Your love endures forever. I know your plans for me are good. They're declaring these stuff in songs and hymns and people are listening. And do you know why you need to do it where people are listening? Because when the miracle comes, they saw the first bit. Yes. How many times do you get a massive medical report and people go, oh yeah, but that was the medicine. And it might be. A medicine's absolutely awesome. But how many times do you know in your heart that God did something there? And he doesn't get the glory he deserves because we didn't say it before the miracle. These guys were singing and worshipping before the miracle. They were stuck in jail and nothing was robbing their peace. They were just worshipping anyway. Suddenly, who loves a suddenly when it's God's involved? It was all going wrong, so I worshipped. And suddenly, a violent earthquake. <laughs> Um, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken and at once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Come on. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. It's like an Austin Powers scene, isn't it? I'm still here. It's okay. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sir, what must I do to be saved? You see, I think what preceded the miracle where chains were loosed 
And what preceded the someone meeting Jesus was in the darkest moment, people knew Jesus and praised anyway. They praised him. And then this miracle happened. Some people might say, well, it was an earthquake. It could have just happened anyway. Well, maybe it could. But you know what? They were praising Jesus in chains in the prison. And on the back of praising Jesus, they were no longer in chains in prison. That's good enough for me. And more than that, the one guy who was supposed to be keeping them safe then saw the character of Jesus. Because instead of looking at each other and saying, go, they stayed because they knew this guy would be in trouble. And he said, wow, you have moved me. How do I know you're God? Come on, someone in this room is going to get a testimony. Whereas you're going to just be out of chains that you found yourself in, bound up by the circumstances and opinions all around you, and suddenly you're going to say, I don't care, Lord, I know your character, thank you. And chains are going to come off you. And someone is going to look at you and go, how have you come through that? I need to know your Jesus. Come on, is there an evangelist in someone stirring up to say, people need to know my Jesus. But people are going to get to know your Jesus when you get to know your Jesus. We need to not just know Jesus, but know Jesus. Are you here? hearing me they were so in love with their Jesus that even in their trauma they kept their peace and it resulted in a miracle here's what I wonder I think when you see the power of God released in and around your life it does a couple of things and this is the first thing it does it allows you to handle your issues with authority hurt rejection sickness stress loneliness, mental health, so many things in and around our world right now. But when we know the authority of God, we can go through those things differently to someone who doesn't know the authority of God. You can push through it in your own strength or you can just say, praise you Jesus. I don't get why that person rejected me. I don't understand why I'm here, but I know your character and I know your goodness and I'm going to praise you. And something shifts on the inside out. The healing power of God comes into your world. John 16, verse 33, Jesus speaking. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Can you see it? You see, sometimes I think people want to become a Christian and think, oh, I'm going to live this rose-tinted life now. I'm going to swan through life and it's going to be absolutely amazing and everything's going to go brilliantly because Jesus loves me. But that's not what he says. I'll tell you what he says again. In this world, you will have trouble. That's what he says. So we can expect trouble because we're in the world. But here's the thing. It's okay because I've overcome the world. So I'm going to help you to overcome the situation. And I have the authority to be able to do that. Can you see the difference? It's just like I'm going to find myself in a hole sometimes and it's okay. Because though I walk through the darkest valley, you will be with me. And as I come out the other side, you're going to create a table in front of my enemies of life. That's the heart and character and goodness of God. And he can do it. Why? Because he has authority. So church, know your authority. Whatever you're up against, whatever's going on in your world right now, get to know your authority. I promise you'll have a different outcome. And you'll have a story of God's goodness. And here's the next great thing that happens. As you begin to walk in authority, as you begin to have peace in difficult moments, God can then use you to help someone else in theirs. Because if you've got your own story of his goodness, it helps you to impart something to someone else. Are you with me? Jesus says, you will do great things. Why? Because I'm, I'm releasing it to you. And when you've got something, you can give it away. 
I've got a story of God's goodness. You need, to, you need to hear this. And you give it away. And what does it do? It helps someone else. I'm believing for miracles, church. I'm believing for power to be released through the church because that's what Jesus did. And he said, I'm going to let you do it. I love this thought of, you know, Jesus raises from the dead and, dead and he says, I've got the keys of life. Come on, church, let's go. Let's go and demonstrate what life really, really looks like. Are you hearing me? In all of this, ultimately, would you pursue Jesus? It's a decision. It's so awesome you guys are in church on a Sunday. But I wonder if on Tuesday you're going to be on your knees at some point saying, I need you, Jesus. I wonder if on Thursday you're going to be in the shower singing your little heart out, thank you, Jesus. I wonder if on Saturday you're going to get the billing you weren't expecting and think, oh, you're going to think, oh, no, you're going to say, thank you, Jesus, because I'm getting to know you. And we're going to have story after story after story. In Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, we hear the Great Commission. Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, you go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end. Right there, can I suggest it's a picture of glory? Jesus says, I will always be with you. Well, there's his presence. He's promised to be with us. I've got authority, which we now know releases power. I've, I've got it. I'm giving it to you. There's the power. And when Jesus discipled people, what did he actually do? He walked with them and demonstrated the goodness of his father. It was a walking out process. It wasn't a course. It wasn't a teaching principle. It was doing life with them. And so here we have the presence. I will be with you always. We had the power because I've got the authority and we had the goodness because we're showing people what God looks like. It's a picture of glory right there in our great commission. Can you hear it? Can you see it? So here's what I'm believing for, that we would be a church full of people, that you would be an individual that chooses to make the effort to get to know your God. And as you get to know him, that he would begin to release authority into your life. And then you wouldn't have to live a life looking around for opportunities, but opportunities would come to you. But because of your starting point, the outcome will be different because you carry the power of Almighty God in your life. Are you with me? I'd love to pray for you. Would you mind standing? Hey, let me just invite you to close your eyes if you're willing. Let's just take a moment. Jesus Lord I want to thank you for every brilliant person in this room for every brilliant person who will be watching online thank you that you love us thank you for the way you've been stirring your church so brilliantly in the past couple of months we live in an exciting time stir us Lord Stir us, Lord. Holy Spirit, I invite you just to come and move amongst us. Would you begin to touch hearts and touch minds? I release your peace into this room. Anyone who's up against some stuff right now, I speak peace to you. Receive the peace of Jesus. A deep 
knowing, a deep knowing in your very soul that the goodness of God has got you. Peace to you.
when Jesus was speaking with the disciples, telling them that he's about to go back to be with his father. They were saying, no, don't go, don't leave us. But he said this, he said, it's better, it's better that I go. Because when I go, I'm going to send the helper, the Holy Spirit. Jesus' name.